protecting your assets for the next generation. You're listening to The Strong Room, a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 770 CHQR. Welcome to The Strong Room. I'm Peter Watts. Family dynamics are the theme to our program today. As a life plan takes shape for an individual, it's important to remember that one life plan can impact more than one person. Where possible, other family members should be involved in the development of that plan. There should be no surprises or disappointments, particularly when the subject of the plan passes on and those who are left behind are grieving. Three points of note. Housing and health care need to be factored into that life plan. Irene Martin Lindsay runs an Alberta organization that advocates for the rights of seniors in this area. We're certainly meeting with all the parties because we don't believe this is a, I mean, this is a non-partisan issue. This is an Albertan issue. And uh, we, we, we are hoping that our members will talk to folks in their communities, to their seniors, to their families. Um, we're doing a bit of a blitz on National Housing Day to see if people will join us in our quest for, um, you know, seniors wellness because it's time. I mean, it's, it's time for seniors wellness. It's time to cut the clutter. And I think you've you've personalized it to the extent that people can readily understand what the message is. You know, you put a face on a uh, uh, on an issue. It seems to me uh, to be a way to uh, dramatize the moment and to draw attention to the issue. Well, we certainly hope so because these are real issues with real people and real families that are you know you know that you know that are impacted, right? So, so this is these are all based on real stories, and they all have many different flavors, and and we're all in the process of aging, so we really need to think that this is really about all of us. Because I'm not getting any younger today. When you point the finger and say this could be you, you yeah. personalize it uh, quite effectively. Yeah, absolutely. So we all have a stake. It's important for all of us. And the longer we don't pay attention to this, the more it's going to impact us. And, and you know, we keep sort of hearing there's so many big issues on the political agenda, but the seniors housing sector is a, a $7 billion a year industry uh, with more than 28,000 em- employees. And, and yet what uh, the seniors and housing ministry gets is about 1% of the overall provincial budget. The provincial government has announced a slight increase in benefits for qualified seniors and for those people who are on AISH, assured income for the severely handicapped. More than 60,000 people are on that program. That income stream, together with a plan to protect and care for family members who cannot care for themselves, is an integral part of a good life plan. Global News correspondent Tom Vernon speaks to the most recent changes by the province. One of the areas that they were still facing a lot of criticism about was not raising age rates or income support rates. I mean, age hasn't been hiked since 2012. Uh, the, the seniors' uh, top-up hasn't been bumped since 2009. So it's been a long time for... Uh, some of us, to be honest, the most vulnerable Albertans that are on these income supports, it's been a long time since they've seen any type of increase. So, yeah, they are being increased. Uh, they're, they're 
to the rate of inflation going back to 2015. So, I mean, the, the hikes aren't massive in, in for the senior. I mean, for the seniors' benefit, the maximum benefit will go from $280 to $286. Aisha is going from uh, $1588 to $1685. So, about 100 bucks a month. I mean, not huge numbers, but for these people that collect this, that is that is going to help them out. That's a bump. The big thing in this is they're going to index it to the to the rate of inflation each year. So, the consumer price index. So, say the rate of inflation is you know 3.4% in 2020. I'm just making a number up. Well, the, the income supports will go up to follow that. And when you speak to people, you know, clients of age, when you speak to poverty advocates, they say the hardest part about these programs is, OK, you know, yes, they're getting a monthly amount, but it actually is worth less year after year after year because the cost of living is going up. So, you know, $1,588 today is not the same as $1,588 when it was raised in 2012. I mean, anybody who, you know, is paying a mortgage or buying groceries or buying gasoline, you know, knows that look, the, the cost of living has gone up. So, you know, the poverty advocates are saying that this is really going to help uh, some of the most vulnerable Albertans, especially if the economy really gets going and we start to see big rates of inflation like we've had in the past here in Alberta, this is really going to help the least advantaged in our society at least try to keep up with the, the rise in the cost of living. Nobody's getting rich living off of Asia or any of these income supports, but it, it will at least give them a chance to you know, keep up with cost of living increases. And that's what they've been calling for for a number of years now. Then there's the question of medical aid in dying. Getting information on the subject should be a right. Being denied access to that information should be discouraged. There is room for conscientious objection to providing either the information or the procedure, but an individual should still be allowed the option to seek information. These are the kinds of things that should be part of a life plan, and the family should have input. University of Alberta law professor Eric Adams speaks to what the law says on this subject. In Alberta, we have a number of patients who reside in palliative care beds under the auspices or control of of Covenant Health. About a third of the palliative care beds uh, are in Covenant Health facilities, and they have a long-standing tradition of uh, providing health care in this in this province. And uh, as many of your listeners will know. Their origins are in uh, branches of the Catholic Church, and they remain uh, faith-based institutions. Uh, That has caused those institutions trouble when uh, medically-assisted dying was legalized in Canada in uh, 2016. The the policy response of those institutions has generally been to say medically-assisted dying goes against the tenets of the Catholic Church and the principles of our faith, therefore it simply cannot occur within uh, these buildings. And on top of that, there have been a number of institutions who have said that we won't allow patients to be assessed whether or not they qualify for medical-assisted death within our institutions either. What that has resulted in is a lot of patients who are in very frail, indeed often near-death conditions being moved out of those institutions uh, at uh, the last minute uh, with a great deal, I think, of concern and upset for their families and for themselves when they have to undergo the procedure of medical-assisted death or even if they want to consider being assessed whether or not they qualify. And those 
situations came to light a, a few weeks ago in some reporting about cases in Edmonton where, um, where, where patients were being put out onto the street basically uh, because they wanted to get those assessments. So that's the problem that we've got, I think, in the province uh, currently. And I, I, I and my co-author in our, in our op-ed in the Globe and Mail say it's really not sustainable. It's also not respectful and appropriate for the vulnerable patients that are, that are in that care and may want to pursue a perfectly lawful option for them, which is to receive either an assessment or ultimately the medical procedure of a medical-assisted death to ease their suffering. Is there a solution? Does the, yeah. law, does the law provide for one at present? Uh, it 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 is it doesn't provide a crystal crystal clear one. So there's no law in the books that say you must provide it, and there's no uh, clear direction from the Supreme Court on this particular issue. But what we argue is that in other kinds of cases uh, that maybe present similar issues, the Supreme Court has found a way, and and Catholic schools may be a good place to draw an analogy, which is that Catholic schools come together and they they want to function. Uh, to a certain extent, according to the principles of their faith, but they've also got to exist in the real world and educate students who may or may not be Catholic and educate students who will go out into a world in which they're going to encounter a lot of uh, people that may or may not be Catholic, diverse students encountering a diverse world. And what the Supreme Court has said in a case involving Catholic education is that the government can't tell you not to teach Catholicism, but the government can tell you that you have to adequately prepare those students by teaching them about other religions and other ways of life from a neutral and non-faith-based perspective. That is, schools have an obligation, in this, this case said, to prepare their students for the world. And we think that you can draw a similar analogy then to these kinds of faith-based institutions. The law says that no doctors, nurses, orderlies have to be forced against their faith into participating in a medical-assisted death, and we think that's right. So no doctor is being forced to perform a procedure for which they have a religious objection. But those institutions where, which are caring for our grandparents and our parents and people who are needing that care, they can, I think, have a kind of diversity in their walls. They can say, we're Catholic institutions, but you know what? In order to fully care for our patients, for those patients to receive the lawful care to which they are entitled, there may be things that happen within this hospital that aren't necessarily in keeping with the principles of Catholicism. And I think that's perfectly reasonable when an institution is receiving public money to care for a diverse public. University of Alberta law professor Eric Adams. We'll talk more about family dynamics in the context of building a life plan in a moment on The Strong Room on 770 CHQR.